are listening to Lockdown Chats with City of London Symphonia, featuring Alexandra Wood in conversation with Ursula Lover. Hello and a very warm welcome. Thank you for joining us. I'm Alexandra. I'm the leader and the creative director of City of London Symphonia. And today I'm chatting with our super principal bassoon. Do you say bassoon, bassoonist, bassoon player? Principal bassoon, I guess. I don't know. Principal Principal bassoonist. Well, principal bassoon, Ursula Lover. So welcome, (laughs) Ursula. Thank you for joining me. Finally, we've had a few technical hitches, but we're here now. My fault again. Um, I was trying to think, Ursula, how long you've been with the orchestra? Oh, like four, um, four years or um, probably four years. Maybe that I maybe I started doing a little bit of work with us about five years ago, and then yeah. then was officially appointed. So it's not it's certainly I'm relatively new compared to some of the old hands who seem to have been you know there for years and and have contributed so much. It's amazing. There's a whole history mm. there. But when, when we were sort of talking about having this little chat together, you, you expressed worry that the fact that you haven't been a member of the orchestra that long, um, as you said, sort of because there are some players who've been in the orchestra for a very long time. But I actually think that superbly qualifies you <laughs> to have a chat <laughs> because you can give us a fresh perspective on the orchestra in a way. And so I'm going to launch in with quite a biggie question, overarching question, which is uh, what what you particularly enjoy about working with CLS, what drew you to CLS and, and yeah, what you love doing with the orchestra? Oh, well, yeah, you're right, it's a big question. Um, there are lots of things that drew me to the orchestra. The fact that it is a chamber orchestra, a great chamber orchestra, there's some full of wonderful players. Um, and I knew some of the wind players. And I had played, I'd played a long time with the chamber orchestra and I, I love chamber orchestra playing and, and life had sort of taken me some other directions. So it felt like, such an opportunity. And on top of that was the strong sense that it's an orchestra has a, a really individual approach. And the, the concerts that I first did were, we used to do them down at, in Shoreditch in the Village Underground and very conscious then of, of an orchestra that was co- connecting with different age groups and, and also mixing art forms. There'd be an actor and there'd be dance, but it was, Always oh, so ima- there was so much imagination going into the programming. So in that sense, I found it really exciting to, to feel that I could be a part of that. And an opportunity to, to be a member means that you can kind of settle in a bit and, and, and kind of learn what you can contribute. And I, I'm not somebody who goes into an environment all guns firing instantly. So it's lovely to have an environment where I know I've got the chance to grow and develop. And then on top of that, there's all the extra work out off the concert platform, which also does so amazingly well. And I'm really enjoying, I feel like I'm only just beginning, but really enjoying uh, learning and growing into that as well. I think you're, you're probably referring to the participation work, which, which we're quite, quite proud of at CLS, and r- rightly so, I think. Um, yeah. I wonder, I mean, hopefully, the work we do with children in schools and in care homes and in hospitals and hospices. I mean, my firm belief is that it does uh, help those people and it does bring something to, to their lives and it does um, perhaps inspire them or makes them feel something. 
but I also wonder how rewarding it is for the musician and what we as the players learn from those experiences. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I think one of the things that are, for me makes the CLS so particularly special is the fact that when you do go into any of those environments, uh, you are immensely well supported and you are helped to make use of your talents or abilities in such a way that you feel that what you're taking in is really authentic, it's really valuable, it, you're, you're being true to yourself, to your own, to what you feel you've got to offer. Um, and, and in a way, I think that's why you, you get such an amazing response from people. I, I've definitely been into schools and I've done projects which have, to a greater or less extent, clicked, ticked boxes. And I've come away feeling slightly guilty or hugely guilty. I felt that we've somehow been fooling them into thinking that it was worthwhile. And, and I had such a palpable sense that it wasn't. And, and with CLS, that seems really, for me, really different. And I feel literally encouraged. It's something that I, I haven't felt hugely confident about doing. And yet, always, they make sure that there's a sessions that you're trained, that you're you've got a clear idea what, what you're doing, what you're supposed to do, what's expected of you, chances to develop those skills. And then of course, in immensely supportive colleagues, which obviously a lot of orchestra, most orchestra supportive colleagues, but I'm, I've been really struck by the quality of that in, in CLS, really. Yeah. I mean, I, I find, I, I agree, I find that you learn um, not only from the, the leaders of, of the workshop or the, or the group that you, you might be doing one day, but also you learn from the other players because there's a great um, depth and, and range of skills amongst our players. And I think we're very lucky uh, that we have that and that we're able to use that in lots of different ways. I think this, the funny thing about an orchestra, which is to a large extent project-based, um, that, that obviously is it's a year-round orchestra and, and people can be very busy with the orchestra, but everybody does other things and always brings that back into the orchestra. So there's a huge wealth of, of different musical approaches, different musical experiences. Uh, and I think that does contribute to, to what then goes out into the, the, um, the other projects, the things that are not on the concert platform, those skills, all play a part. Mm. You mentioned that we're largely project-based and that's probably a good thing for you. I, I would imagine most of our players live around London or certainly commutable distance from London. But you live in, up in the Lake District, the beautiful Lake District. And um, I just wonder in this sort of these strange times of, of lockdown, whether you've been able to enjoy uh, more where you live obviously you're, you've been traveling less um, so enjoy being at home with your family but also enjoying that amazing countryside that's on your doorstep we've seen it in your com comfortable classical at home it's, it's right there it's outside your house pretty much um, yeah have you been able yeah. to make the most of that yes I, I feel that we have and what it has been the most extraordinary time because the Lake District has been empty and it's unheard of you know to have that beautiful weather in, in April and May when there was hardly a soul about. So it felt an incredibly privileged time to be here. So you could go for a walk on the fells and you, to be honest, you can still do that actually when it's busy. It tends to be the places like the, the, the villages at Ambleside and, and Bowness and Windermere and, and Grassmere can be 
amazingly busy. But there also there are certain walks around here, which we've done, and we'll see lots of people, and and we can do those, and see not a soul. And we haven't done masses of soul climbing. We have tended to stay close to home in these times, and it's been been very special. I mean, we live somewhere extraordinarily special at the moment. So of course, we didn't need to go very far to to have. Uh, an experience of being in the Lake District. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, this in this time it's felt, I felt less of a disadvantage as a musician being here because we were all isolated in a way. Mm. Um, and it is a bit of a compromise living here and, and it's, it's not a great career move, it's just the way life, life happened. Um, so we have been making the most of it uh, and enjoying the fact that I can be here and, and not actually missing anything. Normally I, I have to uh, accept that I let go of certain opportunities because it just doesn't fit in with the way life is. And I'm incredibly lucky to get what I do, but this time has been, it's been a very still time, the feeling that everything is slightly in hiatus. And of course the Lake District is wonderfully um, uh, ideal to experience that sense of stillness. <laughs> Anyone that has seen your comfortable classical at home, you've done two now, I think that's right, two episodes. Um, and if you haven't watched them, please do tune in on every Tuesday, Thursday, 11.30, and you can watch all of the past episodes uh, via our website. So go and have a look if you haven't, they are lovely. Um, but yes, anyone that's seen yours, Ashley, will know that you also, you don't just play the sort of modern bassoon, you also play uh, what we would call period instruments. Um, and for those that, that, that don't um, understand these are musical terms necessarily, uh, instruments have evolved over time, and particularly wind instruments. So in certain situations, you might be playing a piece of uh, bark perhaps on an instrument closer to the sort that Bach would have intended when he wrote his music. And I wondered, it's something I've always been intrigued about, always really wanted to do, but never quite had the courage uh, to, to dabble in, in the period instrument world. But I, I wonder how you got into that and, and when, when you started. Was it when you were studying or later on? Well, no, I'd, all, I'd always have the passion. I've always had a passion for rock music from when I was teeny weeny rock relatively teeny-weeny and um, at school I, actually I went to music school and at school I was I actually wanted to, to play the baroque soon then and they said no no it, it, in those days I suppose it was less it was considered a bit of a distraction from you know your modern instrument study but I was given uh, recorder lessons actually with a wonderful player and teacher called John Turner who'd worked with Dave Munro so I so started that sort of sense of baroque understanding a bit more about baroque then and um, you know, I had a great passion for Vivaldi and all his concerti. And, and then I uh, went to study in Holland with somebody called Brian Pollard, who he himself had been one of the people who'd been at the forefront, at the beginning of this sort of early music uh, sort of um, movement, it, certainly in Holland. And um, I studied with him quite a long while. And, well, I was with him in a kind of gap year and I came back to London and then decided I, I would learn, I needed to learn more. And I went back to Holland and it was about sort of a year or so in then he said to me, why don't you play the Brock soon? And I said, I'm sure I'd said that to him early on, I want to play the Brock soon. He said, no, no. And um, I'm not explaining this very well, but anyway, he said, 
well, yeah, I think you'd enjoy the Broxoon, yes. And so he was the person who gave me my first lessons on the Broxoon. And then I did an audition to get onto the course at The Hague. There was a Baroque course there. So I'd been a student in Amsterdam. Um, Brian, by this time, actually wasn't playing the old instruments at all. He, his commitment was total to the Kosechwa Orchestra. He, he was principal soon in the Kosechwa Orchestra for 42 years. And uh, he clearly felt that playing the Baroque singing was, was too much for him. But he, he gave me my first lessons. And so I auditioned and I got a place at the, on the Baroque course. But then a year into that, I got the, the, my first principal singing job was with the Scottish Chamber Orchestra. And, um, and so I kind of left my course and, and joined the orchestra and always carried on playing Baroque soon. And it, I always felt it fed, fed my modern playing as well. And, and I loved playing bass lines and occasionally I'd go off and play my Baroque soon. And then when I left the orchestra, um, just the opportunities came more from the old instrument world. They tend to be booking earlier. And, and then eventually the Academy of Ancient Music offered me the position as principal bassoon, which I'm still slightly amazed about because it was <laughs> like a childhood wish, and there, there it was. Um, and so I'm, I, feel, I still feel like a student on the Baroque and classical bassoon, but, um, but I suppose that's the joy of it. It's kind of never quite knowing if it's going to work out. Because <laughs> so, they are quite different instruments than, than the modern bassoon, am I right? And so, does that affect? without going into too much detail, does that affect things like fingerings as well? It's... Yes, you're playing different fingerings and you're swapping them between different instruments. But you know, it's like learning a language. Uh, when I lived in Holland, I spoke Dutch. Um, and whilst I was learning it, uh, it was at the front and even swapping between English and Dutch was sort of a bit slow. And then eventually it kind of found and moved somewhere else in my brain so I was, could swap quickly from, from Dutch to English. And then, and it brought, was a bit like that, you know, when I was learning it, I was kind of mixing up fingerings, but somehow there came a point when it comes a part of you and it slips into another place. So I find it relatively simple to swap from modern to Baroque. And then you get to classical instruments. I mean, my motivation for playing the instruments was as much to play the music. It wasn't my necessary passion to play the Baroque soon. Uh, it was just what it allowed me to do. And, and the, classical bassoon kind of led on from that um, and that was that's a bit like speaking Dutch and German I speak less good German than I do Dutch and so I find it harder to swap between the two because they are a bit similar and so certainly initially classical and baroque were terribly difficult to sort of separate in my head but then they you know you again it's like you learn it it becomes a different part of your brain and then you you can find you can swap so I feel again with the classical bassoon, I haven't played it as much as the Baroque or the modern, so it's always a little bit um, scary. <laughs> and I mean, I you, say, <laughs> you say that it, it sort of feeds uh, how you play your, your modern bassoon as such. Does it feel odd now, though, if you say go and play some Bach or some Vivaldi on your modern instrument, or is it just like another, like, like another language and you use what you know from the Baroque bassoon to sort of enrich that? Yes, I, I would say that absolutely you kind of describe it really well. And I think the term I love rather than authentic or original is, is the historically informed performance, which is exactly what it is. Then it doesn't really matter what instrument you're playing because it's all about your understanding of the music. Clearly the instruments 
when you play your gut strings or your or your brop soon, you're, you're understanding something about the, the physical demands that the music was written on, you know, that, that there was sort of natural response, maybe. Um, but actually, it's just, it's, it, for me, it's equally valid to play on the modern instrument. It's just having that understanding of the quality of the music. HIP, HIP, historically informed performance. That's, that for me is the, the important feature, not necessarily the instrument. The, the instrument is a, is a tool to, to playing. And uh, sometimes I'm worried that the, the old instruments then become the end in themselves and not just an instrument to playing the music. So, you know, keeping the balance, I think, is the thing. Now, I was thinking, so thinking about these um, multiple bassoons, sorts of bassoons that you play, um, and in lockdown, I know that lots of people have been uh, maybe going up in their loft and finding old instruments out that they've not played for many years, um, or learning new skills. And I wonder, it can't be a bassoon, it can't be some sort of bassoon, but if you could learn any other instrument, what would it be? Well, um, I have always had an aspiration. Uh, if you've also, if you've seen my classical, comfortable classicals, you'll notice that I have a, a quite fondness for folk music. Um, and uh, a few years ago, I went to a, something called a non-dancing Cayley uh, in Northumberland, which is basically lots of interesting performances at the end of a week of music making. And it was in a cattle market. There is, it was fantastic. But there was a person there, Alistair Anderson, and he got up and he played the English concertina in a way that was so amazing. And I realized then that instruments are only as limited as the person who played them. And he showed that you could sing and dance and do anything on this English concertina. And since then I have aspired to be good enough to play in the pub. By the time I retire, I'm failing miserably. Um, I'm still a complete beginner on the English concertina, but that is my aspiration to be a really good English concertina player because it's, you can accompany, you can sing and dance. It's very compact, you can take it anywhere. You could bring it out at parties in the pub, obviously. So yeah, that, that would be my aspiration to be a really, really good English concertina player. <laughs> English as in, there's different kind of concertinas, there's an Anglo and there's a, duet or something anyway so that's why I'm not that I it's not my nationality it's just the form of English, it's not English concertina. <laughs> that's fantastic I've got an image of you now Ursula after a long walk in the Lake District in a pub somewhere playing your yeah. English concertina yeah fantastic. that would be it yeah <laughs> oh. we can but dream so, you know, I mean I dreamt of playing the Baroque when I was little so maybe if I just keep yes inspiring. watch this space exactly exactly well, Ursula, it's been so lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much for joining me. And uh, I hope you uh, continue to enjoy the, the beautiful countryside where you live and spending time with your family. But I also hope that we get to play together soon. Yes, me too, me too. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much. It's been a treat. <laughs>